Hello, and welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. This is a podcast where I talk about wellness and my own health journey, to be honest, and biohacking and all sorts of things along those lines. I am back from Costa Rica now and feeling like I have a lot of feels. For those who are new listening, I was in Costa Rica for three weeks and I got back like six days ago and it's the most time I've taken off since, I don't even know, like probably since I was in university when I was studying. This is just so much time off and I got married and I had my honeymoon and that will be a whole podcast episode probably next week all about wedding wellness and things I did for my health aesthetically for my wedding, things I did internally and what I would recommend and things that I think you could probably skip. So I will do a full debrief on all of that next week. And so stay tuned for that episode. This week, I am doing a quick Q&A for a couple different reasons. So I have a video. <laughs> I have a, I'm laughing because it's just like kind of awkward to say, but I have a video on Instagram that is just blowing up right now. And it's weird because I actually posted it like a month ago. And it's all about eating different types of food for different phases in your menstrual cycle. And thank you to everybody who has shared that and continues to share it. I get notified every time somebody does, and it's awesome to see. And from that, I've got, I've just gotten a lot of questions, a lot of questions in the comments, a lot of DMs from women who have specific questions that pertain to their health and their health journey and their menstrual cycle and hormones and all sorts of things like that. And so I'm going to kind of just answer some of these questions today. This is going to be very casual and it's, you know, these answers are based in my own experience and in my education as well. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. And if you ever have any questions yourself about your own health journey and what you're dealing with, feel free to send me a message on Instagram and I'll either answer it directly through there or I will answer it on the podcast and give you a more detailed response, especially if I think other people could really hear that and use that information. Sometimes we have questions that are actually very common and other women would really value from the information or yeah, just value from hearing the answers. So that's kind of how I decide. And I, you know, had a podcast episode that did kind of go through similar things like this. And I've been popping on here and talking about menstrual cycle and hormones and pregnancy since October more frequently. And that's because that's where I am in my own health journey. And I'm currently not pregnant and actually we're not even trying right now. And I am in the preconception space. And that is why you will, if you haven't noticed yet, you will see that a lot of my content and my business is moving towards this space. So preconception is all about being proactive. And I don't think there's a lot of education out there about this. And I don't think there's a lot of people talking about it in general. Fertility feels like it's very reactive, right? So if I was to tell you, oh, I'm going to create a fertility course, 
when I hear that, I think, okay, I need to take that because we're having trouble conceiving. I'm having fertility issues, right? So there's a problem. Now I'm going to take this fertility course and it's going to help me fix this problem. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I would like to take it a step back before we even get to that point. And that's when I think preconception health comes into play. Preconception is proactive, right? We're not saying, oh my gosh, something's not working. Let's fix it right away and do this thing or take this drug or take this, you know, whatever supplement. It's how do I get to the point where my body and my mind and my emotional state are the healthiest places they can be before we start to try and conceive. So it's almost about preventing issues. And it's also about creating the healthiest body, healthiest pregnancy, healthiest baby, and healthiest life for you that is possible. And in accordance with this, I am creating right now a proactive preconception program. I don't know what it's going to be called because that is such a mouthful, but essentially that's what it is. It's probably not going to be called that, but I want to just help people kind of go through what I'm going through. And I don't want to create a course essentially. Like, I don't think people need more courses at this point, but I think some somewhere where there's a collection of data and science and information and experiences for people to understand and know what to do. So that's what I'm putting together now. I'm just in the beginning stages of it. Listen, like ideally I launched this baby, (laughs) launched this baby, wow. Ideally I launched this in June, maybe July. And that's pushing it because this this is a big undertaking. If you've ever done any type of research online, if you've looked up preconception health or pregnancy biohacking or fertility biohacking, preconception biohacking, there's really not a lot out there beyond the basics, right? And I think that's the point that I'm getting at is I'm not going to create some sort of program that says, hey, don't drink alcohol and take a prenatal vitamin. I am not going to create a program that says, take this prenatal vitamin and avoid alcohol and then you'll be fine and call it a day. I think there's way more to it than that. And I think there's a lot more that we can do. And with the current situation that we're facing with the poor food quality that we have, the amount of toxins that are in our environment and the overworking lifestyle that we have, I think we need to be actually doing more. And I think there's more importance to it. And also this goes for men as well. And men will be included in my program because for multiple reasons, kind of like what I just said, but sperm quality is so, so important. And there's a lot you can do to have healthier sperm, including, you know, what you eat, your environment, lifestyle, stress management, sleep, even men's prenatals or multivitamins, you know? And so that's all going to be coming down the road. And as I shift my business towards this area, It's interesting, the questions that I'm getting, because they're very much reflective of that. And that's what we're doing today. We're going to do a quick Q&A. And if you have more questions, please, please let me know. Before we get started, a quick shout out to the sponsors of this episode by Optimizers. I kid you not when I tell you that the supplements I took to Costa Rica, I think half of them were by, by Optimizers. I took the digestive enzymes, the magnesium, and the 
probiotic blend. And did I get sick when I was there? Yes, I did. And thankfully, I had some of their supplements to help me through that. I actually had food poisoning from McDonald's, I, which is, I don't know, I guess that's what I get for eating it. I haven't had McDonald's in, I can't even tell you the last time I've had it. And we were on the road, we were driving for five hours and I just wanted something quick and like just, yeah, me not thinking. First night of the honeymoon as well, by the way. Anyway, so I eat McDonald's and the moment I finished the burger, I felt sick. The the moment. Four hours later, I started puking. I puked all night, which was a great start to the honeymoon. Lost weight for sure. Was, you know, skin and bones the next day. And I was really happy I actually had the Bioptimizers probiotics with me to help my gut after that and just help it throughout the rest of the trip in order to keep a healthy microbiome when eating different food, foreign food, and being in a foreign country. Even back in Canada now where I live, I take these probiotics every single day. They are full spectrum. So there's a ton of different strands of probiotics in them, which I think is really important. And same with their digestive enzymes and magnesium. Magnesium Magnesium is definitely one of the supplements that is recommended for preconception and as part of your prenatal. But I think even if I started taking an actual prenatal, which I have different ones that I would recommend, and if you want my prenatal list recommendation, you can message me on Instagram. I'm pretty sure I would still take magnesium separately just because I think I need a full spectrum magnesium with over seven different kinds in it. And I would want to make sure that I'm getting enough of the different kinds that I think that my body needs. So that is Bioptimizers. They will be linked to my show notes. Use my discount code for sure. Don't pay full price. That's why there's the discount code there for you. They ship to Canada. They ship to the US. I'm pretty sure they ship. They might ship international. I should check. But definitely take a look at that if that is something that you are interested in. And that's it for my sponsors. So let's dive into this week's episode. Okay, I'm going to read out the first question. So maybe I'll keep this anonymous, these questions anonymous. This person on Instagram says, (laughs) I'm currently on Shark Week and I've been curious about why I've been so tired lately. I stay hydrated and I eat dot dot, but your post made me realize it's what I'm eating that's causing me symptoms. Is there any tips? Is there any other tips you can give on how to get through Shark Week feeling like a human again? Lol. Okay. So for those listening who don't know what Shark Week is, it's just like a reference to your period. You know, people call it different things. And so, yeah, I, I definitely do have recommendations on how to get through it. I think it's very normal for people to, for women to feel tired on their periods. Like I definitely do, especially day one. I am very, very tired and I'm very like lie on the couch, introverted. Don't talk to me. I don't want to work. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm very in my feels and I'm in my body and I'm very grounded. And I think a lot of us feel like that. And I think that is totally normal. However, there are definitely, definitely things that we can do during shark week or your period that can make you feel better beyond, you know, chocolate and ice cream, or I don't know, maybe whatever typical thing that you might think is something that somebody does during this time. 
So here are a couple of my tips that I do and that I recommend. First and foremost, like I would look at your sleep. If you're so tired and it's distinctly more tired than normal, and it's not just like a day or two, that says like there's definitely something wrong or something going on with your hormones. And so I would take it a step back and like look at your sleep entirely. Sleep could be its entire own podcast episode. There are so many different things that you can do to optimize your sleep and level it up, to sleep throughout the night, to reduce the amount of time that it takes you to fall asleep. And yeah, there's a bunch of different things you can do. So I'm going to briefly tell you kind of what I do just to help you out. So I would start with making sure that your environment is really dark. So I use blackout curtains on all my windows. I use an eye mask from a company called Manta. I think it's called Manta, which completely blocks out all of the light and it does a very, very good job of it. And I've tried many different ones. And so I am very, very picky about the amount of light that I see. I like my room to basically be a cave no bright light whatsoever. And I also think it's important to mitigate and reduce the amount of blue light and bright light that you are seeing before you go to sleep as well. So I use blue blocking glasses and I start to wear them probably 90 minutes to two hours before I go to sleep. And I also use red lights throughout our apartment. So we have, you know, different lamps that we can turn on that have only red light that comes through like the red light light bulbs, which means that there's no blue light whatsoever coming through. And then I also have the glasses because like if we're watching Netflix or TV, I don't want any of that blue light shining into my eyeballs and like, you know, keeping me awake. So definitely take a look at your light. That's so, so important. Once you've got your light sorted out, I would look at the noise that is coming into your room, into your bedroom. So things like using a white noise machine, earplugs, or having some sort of fan on that can kind of like lull you to sleep tends to help a lot. If you are in a noisy city, like I used to live downtown Vancouver and there were sirens every single night or every week type of idea. And I would definitely, definitely need earplugs because it really helped just kind of you know, weighing that out. And so I didn't have to hear it all of the time. So if that's your situation, really try to reduce your noise. Again, like the ideal situation is like a cave, right? So it's pitch black. It's very quiet, or maybe there's some like light white noise or like outdoor natural noise and it's cold. So I use, right now I use a fan, a Dyson fan. It's actually an air purifier as well. And then I open my window halfway throughout the day before we go to sleep. And that really cools the room down. It's obviously cold in Canada right now still. And so that helps. And then in the summer, we have a air conditioning unit to get the room to be cold enough. It's really hard, like really hard. I think most people know this. It's really hard to sleep when it's warm in the room. So really trying to reduce the temperature. I, it depends, like in terms of what temperature you should actually use, it differs for people. I like anywhere between like, if we're talking Fahrenheit, you know, 68 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit is probably ideal for me. 
And yeah, so I would look at that. Like that's all environmental and there's so much that you can control and do to make sure that your environment for your sleep is better so that you're not tired or as tired during your period. A couple other things that can help with that is avoiding food before you go to bed up to, I would say 90 minutes to two hours before you go to sleep, if not more. It's kind of like the ideal and sticking to a regular routine. This is so, so important. So what time are you going to sleep? Is it the same on the weekdays? Is the weekends? What time are you waking up? Same question. Is it the same? So that's really, really important because it helps create a regular release of hormones throughout the day and throughout the night. And your body gets used to it. It really, really does. It really likes that routine of lights out at 10 p.m., waking up at 6.30 or whatever it might be. It really, really thrives in in an environment that is like rinse and repeat for your hormones like that. And that will definitely help making sure to make sure you get proper sleep and not feel as tired. So those are my recommendations for sleep. It's like a very brief overview (laughs) because I'm trying to not go too in depth about it. But yeah, I would definitely hack your sleep before even trying to look at other things. So other things that can really help in terms of this time, this menstrual time, I like to do hot baths. I probably do one a day. I I don't do any more than that. And I have them quite hot, quite hot. I I don't know what the temperature is, but probably too hot for some people. But I add quite a lot of different things to it to also help as well. So the hot bath is obviously going to help because it helps with blood flow, helps with circulation. And so this is going to, you know, help with any cramping that you have, any pain that you might have, and also help you feel more relaxed. The heat kind of has that like relaxing endorphin releasing feel to it that really comes when you do any type of heat therapy, whether it's a sauna, a hot tub, a steam room, or a hot bath. And so that's kind of what is happening there. I add Epsom salts or sea salt to it, like gray sea salt, which is high in minerals. And then I also add baking soda. So when you add baking soda to salt, it actually helps your body absorb the different minerals in the salt better. So that's why if you've ever seen like salt and soda baths, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about sea salt or Epsom salt and baking soda. And that's because when they're combined, they work so well together and you really get the benefits from everything that's in the salt. I also sometimes add like herbs and seaweed. Like I know you see a lot of like different nice salts, bath salts now that have seaweed in them. I think that's fantastic. Seaweed has a ton of different minerals in it that can really, really soothe the body. And again, help with this whole feeling of being tired and just like, you know, trying to get through a shark week and feel human again. So I would bring in some sort of hot bath ritual. I like candles and I read a book as well. So it feels very, very self-care me time. And I am all about that. And I think it's really important, if not the most important, probably during this menstrual phase. So make that routine for yourself and also work on your sleep routine as well. Other things that that I would recommend, a hot water bottle. I think most women probably use this. I use this all of the time. I think it's so important to 
if you have any cramping or you have any pain or you feel really heavy down in your uterus, I think this really helps with that because it brings circulation there. It increases circulation, brings blood flow. And yeah, I just love using my hot water bottle during my period. I use it. I actually use it all winter, but I definitely use it more when I'm on my period. Other biohacks and things that can help this week, yoga, walking, stretching, Tai Chi. We really want to reduce the amount of stress that we're under this time, right? So when the body's menstruating like that, like there is a lot of stress that's happening and it's not necessarily stress that you feel, you know, at work or school, that type of like high cortisol stress, but you, your body is working harder every single day and there's more going on in a sense. So it doesn't make sense to do a spin class or, you know, do a big run or a big workout during this time. Like we really want to honor feeling grounded and in our bodies and slower. And so the type of exercise and movement we do should really reflect that. Things like yoga, outdoors, nature, walking, stretching, Tai Chi is perfect for that. And in my biohack your cycle chart that is on my website, this is outlined for you. It's basically what to do during the different types, different phases of your cycle, including what exercise you should be doing. So that's it for my Shark Week recommendations. I am going to go to number two. So this is a comment. I just wanted to read this comment because I thought it was really insightful and encouraging. There's no question here, but I, I do like what she said. So she commented on one of my recent videos and she said, because in this video, I'm talking about being proactive about preconception. And she said, we did it 12 years ago before it was biohacking got checked, stopped drinking and smoking, started taking vitamins, drinking green juices and smoothies with maca root and other superfoods, started spending more time in nature. And I can see from the very first try, it had no morning sickness at all. So this stuff works. I think that's really important because I like some of the things that she said there. Like, first of all, she got checked, right? So she had her partner and her, they had their hormones checked. They had I'm assuming a typical hormone fertility panel, maybe more. I don't know, but maybe she had more checked, but I'm, I'm assuming it was the typical one. And not only did they, you know, stop drinking and smoking, which I think are givens in today's world and also taking the, the vitamins, but drinking green juice and smoothies is huge. Maca root, which is a adaptogen, which really helps with libido and fertility. Like that's what it's known to do and other superfoods and started spending more time in nature. So I love that she just took such a holistic approach to this, which I think is really important in order to have the healthiest preconception period as possible. And like she said, like she had no morning sickness at all. And yeah, they got pregnant on the very first try. So I think it's just encouraging to see stuff like that. And that's the why, right? Like when people say, why, why bother you know, being healthy for, or super healthy, let's say for three months before starting to try, I think this is the reason it's the reducing the risk of morning sickness, of birth defects, of other pregnancy complications, of postpartum complications, and the health of the female body going through that entire phase. Same with, well, I mean, not 
to as much of an extent, but obviously same with men as well, for at least for the preconception and the conceiving part. I want to share with you something that I've recently been working on that has a very short deadline, but they always have short deadlines, right? It seems everything today is ASAP. Anyways, I have not been able to keep up with my self-care routine as much as normal. Less workouts, less meditation, and obviously my nutrition has slipped a bit as well. And part of that is definitely going to Costa Rica. (laughs) I was starting to get really stressed out when I remembered that the magnesium breakthrough I take every night for sleeping better is also a great support for stress management. In fact, magnesium is responsible for over 30 body reactions, and magnesium breakthrough is the only magnesium formula that delivers all these seven different forms of magnesium, each with its unique benefits, one of them being feeling more calm, centered, and in control of our stress levels. So now I am taking magnesium breakthrough in the morning to counterbalance the stress from coffee and calm my nervous system for the day. Since I started, I've noticed a significant improvement in my overall sense of well-being, and I definitely feel more chill. If you're also trying to balance life demands, give it a try. Trust me, your mind and body will thank you for it. Visit magbreakthrough.com slash biohackingbrittany and order now. In addition to the discount you get by using my code biohackingbrittany, there are always amazing gifts with every purchase. That's also why I love shopping at Bioptimizers. Go now to magbreakthrough.com slash biohackingbrittany to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with your purchase. Okay, the next question is pregnancy biohacks. Wow. You know what's funny is I when I was looking at this episode and I was I looked up pregnancy biohacks. And there is nothing. There is nothing. Let me tell you that I was shocked when my website was the number two result on Google for pregnancy biohacks, okay? Like from a podcast episode I did in November. I was like, what? Like, why are not more people talking about this? And yeah, and so it's not surprising that I'm getting questions being like, hey, look, I'm pregnant. What do I do in order to increase my health and optimize my health. So this woman, she wrote a comment on one of my videos. It's a different video than the other one. She said, this is great. Thank you for the content. What should one do when one is pregnant? So I think this is tough. And I think there's many reasons, many obvious reasons of why pregnancy biohacking is not a thing or not talked about a lot. When you're pregnant, you are really limited on what you can do. And there's a lot of recommendations. Typical biohacking recommendations are probably not suitable for someone who's pregnant, right? So even if you think about like wellness fads, like using a sauna, using a steam room, using cold therapy or cryotherapy or any of the latest like exercise technology or certain supplements, certain tests. Like there's so many things that I just don't think that you can do when you're pregnant because of the risk. 
And that's why it's not talked about. That's why I feel like people haven't really touched it with a 10 foot pole, but I think there are some things you can do. And I think when I'm pregnant in the future, I will have a lot more to say about this, but here is what I recommend for now. First of all, I would look at things that you can do that are kind of similar to your favorite biohacks, but altered. So for example, I love to use the sauna. You know that if you follow me on Instagram, I have so many different posts about saunas and steam rooms and stuff like that. And you can't go in there when you're pregnant and you can't use a hot tub and not even a hot bath is recommended, right? So for me, this is going to be very difficult in the future, but I know that there are things like foot saunas, which is something that I would buy. So this is like, you get them on Amazon. It's like a little, kind of like a foot spa thing that you would put your feet in to at a nail salon type of idea. And the best ones are the ones that produce steam and like massage and steam your feet. So I would do something like that. I think that would be great for endorphin release because again, the heat allows endorphins to be released. I think it would be great for reducing stress and anxiety from the massage. I don't think it would be, in terms of detoxing, obviously you don't want to detox when you're pregnant. I don't think that you would detox enough from that type of thing. So I wouldn't worry about that. But obviously you don't want to be doing it all day, every day. But I think like once a day was probably fine. So I would look at some sort of like foot sauna with a steamer. Then I would do a lot of the prenatal things. So I would do prenatal massages for sure. I would do prenatal yoga, I think is really helpful. I don't think you can do hot yoga. I don't think you can be in like a far infrared sauna like that. I would do, yeah, I would do prenatal yoga. I would do prenatal massage. And I would also look at doing acupuncture as well. Acupuncture is one of my favorite. I don't even know if we want to call it a biohack, but sure. One of my favorite biohacks for female health in general. I think it's great for stress reduction. I think it's great for hormone balancing. And it's gentle enough to be able to do it while you're pregnant. I think if you're dealing with any type of morning sickness or pain or cramping or just feeling super uncomfortable or headaches or whatever your symptoms might be, I think acupuncture can be definitely one of those things that you rely on and go to once a month, potentially twice a month. Acupuncture was actually one of the things that really helped regulate my menstrual cycle. And I was doing it weekly from October to February of this year. Next, I would say swimming would be fantastic. And if you're going to swim, which I think is one of the best forms of exercise for pregnant people, pregnant women, is I would look at doing a, if you can, swimming in a salt pool. These are harder to find. And I there are some in the Vancouver area. And I think in most large cities, towns, there would be one. But I would caution on using a regular pool. I think it's probably fine every now and then, but I don't know. I don't know if I would be able to get over that. I ugh, Probably not. Yeah. Thinking about this now, like, I don't know, as a biohacker, I just don't think I would swim in chlorine with being pregnant, but I know people do. And if that's the only option you have, I understand. So 
I think swimming is great. I think it takes the pressure off of the joints and the muscles for the body. I think that it, you know, it's great full body exercise. It's great for the pelvic floor. You're still working your core a bit. So in terms of exercise, I think swimming is one of the best things that you can do. You, yeah, like I said, like a salt pool, I think is great. I also think even in the ocean, in a lake, in a river, it out in nature is probably the best because not only are you not exposed to things like chlorine and bromine and all these different chemicals, you're also exposed to all the natural minerals in the water, which are very great for you, very healthy for you. You're exposed to the healthy bacteria in the air and in the water, which is great for your skin microbiome, your gut microbiome, and your vaginal microbiome. And it's also just great for negative ions as well. So typically when there's moving water, there's more negative ions in the air. And when there's more negative ions in the air, we feel better. So if you've ever been to a waterfall or been outside when it's raining, there's more negative ions in the air. The charge in the air is different and it's more electrified, let's say. And so there's this feeling towards it or from it that makes you feel happier and calmer and just more content in general. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand if you were to do some sort of lake swimming every single day. Again, accessibility is an issue with that. Not everybody lives by water, so do what you can. And then last but not least, like walking in nature, hiking. I think the nature is the key part here. I think if you live in a big city, obviously an hour walk a day or something like that would be great. But nature, the benefits just really, really compound. So like you get the benefits from, like I said, negative ions, forest bathing. If you're in a forest, you get all of the healthy bacteria that's in the air. You get endorphins from moving your body and being, um, (laughs) of course, also the EMF, the whole EMF thing is another conversation, but you're away from EMF and radiation and you're more grounded. Bonus if you take off your feet and you actually ground yourself while you do this, because that's fantastic to connect to the earth's charge like that and really reduce your EMF exposure. I actually just posted a weird timing, but I just posted a video today on grounding and the benefits from it. So go and check that out if you have more questions about that. But yeah, that's kind of the approach that I would take. I would like in general, it would be very nature focused and gentle exercise focused. I didn't really get into nutrition a lot because again, this is getting long in the tooth for pregnancy, but I would try to stick to whole foods, nutrient dense foods, have a really, really, really good prenatal and not some crappy one that you got off of Amazon. (laughs) I mean, nothing against Amazon, but they're, I don't know. Like I just, yeah, there's so many, there's so many BS prenatals on the market. Same with multivitamins. So be really careful about the one that you choose and make sure you choose a really good one. So that's it that I have for pregnancy biohacks for now. The next question is about fruit. So this person says, she was asking about one of my videos that I posted, which was this like fruit infused water that I was having. And she said, what kind of fruit is in this for PCOD and irregular periods? What type of fruit do you recommend? 
Great question. So PCOD is polycystic ovarian disease, if you don't know. And my fruit recommendation, I think, for anyone with some sort of struggle around fertility and hormones and menstrual cycles is probably the same. I don't think I would necessarily recommend anything different for PCOD versus PCOS versus endometriosis. I think my recommendations are the same. And that would be first and foremost, try and eat seasonally. So this is hard because I was thinking about this coming back from Costa Rica. Like I'm in, it's in April in Canada and like what fruit is in season right now close to where I live? Or do you try and eat the fruit that's in season in, you know, other places that is more nutrient dense? And like, it's just, it's harder. Sadly, it's harder when you are in places like North America, because I feel like the quality of our produce isn't that great compared to places like Costa Rica, where you eat the fruit that was literally grown within the country, you know, within I don't know what a 20 mile radius or less than that, 10 mile radius. You know what I mean? So I think try and eat seasonally, try and eat your fruit that is seasonal because it's going to have more nutrients in it. So if you think about that, you know, so apples are in September, typically August, September, October here in Canada. And so an apple during those months is going to be more nutrient dense because it was grown closer by and it didn't have to be picked off of the tree earlier and then shipped to Canada and then bought. Right now it's April. If I buy an apple, where is that coming from? Mexico? I don't know. California? Central America, potentially. And think about how long ago it was picked before it got to my hands, right? So what, a couple of weeks? a month. And then it ripens in the containers that it's getting shipped in versus it ripening on the tree and then you plucking it from the tree and eating it. So the longer it stays on the tree or the bush or the branch, whatever, it gets more nutrients. And then obviously you want to pick it when it's ripe, but that's really not the case for the food and the produce that we have here in North America most of the year. So I would try eat seasonally if you can and organic, organic, you know, you're not exposed to herbicides, pesticides, GMO foods. There's, yeah, it's just much cleaner and it's more conventionally grown. Typically there's less monocropping as well. So the soil is more rich and nutrient dense, which makes more nutrient dense produce as well. Above and beyond that, getting to specifics, I think all berries are the number one that people always recommend. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, cranberries, raspberries, gooseberries, whatever other ones you can think of. Berries are have a lot of antioxidants in them and they have they don't have as much sugar in them as, you know, a mango or a pineapple. And this actually matters because we really want to avoid a high sugar rush and then a crash and then a dysregulation of your insulin. Because when we dysregulate these hormones in the body like that, it is a cascade of effects that then affects our sex hormones, our estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, et cetera. 
And when you're dealing with something like PCOD or endometriosis or irregular periods, that means there obviously is irregular hormones, irregular hormone balancing happening. So we want to be careful of that. So I would stick with berries. They're high in antioxidants. They're low in sugar. And if you do have other things, you know, mango, pineapple, papaya, whatever else it might be, I think that's fine. But I think really just try to balance your meal so you're not getting a super large sugar rush that comes with that. And the way that you do that is you do it by adding protein and fat to it. So you can do a coconut yogurt bowl, a non-sweetened, unflavored coconut yogurt, Don't be buying this vanilla coconut yogurt garbage, please. You don't need the extra sugar and you don't need the extra flavoring and all of the extra freaking ingredients that go into that. That is not a clean food and (laughs) it is not a whole food. But you know, I guess yogurt is somewhat processed naturally, but I would do organic coconut yogurt, unflavored, unsweetened with berries or with, you know, some of these other fruits that we talked about. And then I would add some sort of seeds or nuts to it, depending on what you can tolerate. So I'm avoid. I'm trying to avoid almonds right now. It's, it's going okay, mostly because of the oxalate amount in it. And I don't digest oxalates very well. And I know that because my Viome test told me that. And I can tell when my body reacts to having too much almonds and too much ox- oxalates. So yeah, Viome is a gut test if you're interested. And it's actually linked in the shop on my website. You can take a look. But yeah, I would try and balance it with fat and protein to reduce that insulin spike and sugar spike so that you can feel better and have it not impact your cycle and female health as much. Okay, so I forget what this woman and I were talking about, but we were basically, I sent her one of my old podcast episodes, you know, I think it was, yeah, it was episode 144. I did an update on my hormones and my fertility and how I basically biohacked my menstrual cycle. She listened to the podcast episode and she started to talk to me about it. And she says the following, it's a great podcast, thank you, about castor oil packs. Would it work to apply castor oil directly to the area while in infrared sauna? I go two times a week and was thinking I could apply it to my skin that way. So I think that I would love for it to work like this. I would love to be able to say that castor oil can be recommended and used kind of just like you use a lotion or a cream. Unfortunately, I don't think it works like that. And I think that's why castor oil packs were invented in the first place. I think the amount of castor oil that you need on the area is actually a lot and it's too much in order for you to just apply some of it while you're in a sauna like i don't think i don't think it works like that i think it needs to be concentrated in that area on your body for a long period of time with heat directly applied to that area so for example with a castor oil pack For those who don't know, basically you take a cloth, you pour castor oil on top of it, you put that on your ovaries, which is where I do it, and then you put a piece of plastic or another cloth, and then you put a hot water bottle directly on top of your ovaries. And this heats up the cloth, which heats up the castor oil, 
which heats up your ovaries. So the cloth itself can hold so much castor oil in it. And it's so condensed in that period, in that space, which is way more than if you were just going to put some in your hand and just rub it on top and hope that it works. So I I really do think it needs to be concentrated. And that's why people kind of invented this type of castor oil pack in general. I, yeah, I don't think you'd want to bring a hot water bottle into a sauna. And I also think you need the direct heat. Like even if you had a private sauna and you went in bottomless and you put the castor oil on the cloth, you put the cloth on your ovaries and then you laid like in the sauna, I don't know if it would have the same impact as it would if you were to use the hot water bottle like it's intended. So unfortunately not. I mean, honestly, you can give it a go and try it. And if you get if you get results, like obviously let me know and like let me know what you think. But from all of the blogs and everything that I have ever read on castor oil packs, I have never seen somebody say this and say that it works. So that tells me that there's a reason that we have to do it this certain way. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it would be nice if you just lather it on like a cream, (laughs) but I don't think it works like that. Okay. Last question. So this is about cycling nutrition and this is about, this is a response to the video that I produced that is being shared a lot on the internet right now. So this woman writes, Hi, I haven't had my period in over a month due to hormonal imbalance. I'm definitely not pregnant. If I want to start this, which one should I start with? Not even sure what part of my cycle I'm in without my period. This is such a good question. I understand this. I get that. I would say, I think typically when people talk about cycle syncing, or anything that you should have during one part of your cycle that you shouldn't during the other. I think it's kind of hard to know if you don't know where you are in your cycle. So for me, this is why I track my temperature and this is why I track my cycle. Because even if I hadn't had my period, which I haven't right now, I know what phase of my cycle I'm in because of my basal body temperature. So my recommendation to you is, first of all, Consider tracking your menstrual cycle in a way that makes sense for you. So I take my temperature every morning, I put it into an app, and it helps me understand where I am in my cycle. Maybe that works for you, and maybe that's how you start tracking your cycle so you can understand more. You could also track your cervical fluid, which basically is, there are apps for that as well. You use your fingers and you like look at your fluid, different consistencies relate to different parts of your menstrual cycle. So sometimes it's more sticky, sometimes it's more clear, sometimes it's more white. All of that information is online and you could kind of track it in that way as well. But I personally think that the temperature is the best way to do it. I I think it's easy. It's simple. I've been doing it for years, I think since like 2018. And I recommend that. However, If you don't want to track your cycle and you still want to know the answer, I would personally start in the follicular phase. I think it's better to assume you haven't ovulated than to assume you have. 
obviously we're not going to start in the menstrual phase because that's when your menstrual cycle is and you're not having your period right now. But I think you, I think starting your follicular, follicular phase makes sense. Unless you're super in tune with your body and think you have ovulated and your period's coming in the next two weeks, then you can start in the luteal phase. But I, w- I would guess that it makes more sense for you to start in the follicular. So follicular is the phase before we ovulate. Usually we have our energies ramping up during this time. Libido ramps up. There's not a lot of progesterone happening yet, but you know we haven't ovulated, but we're leading up to ovulation. So it depends how you feel. I mean, maybe if you go and take a look at my biohack your cycle little chart, that will help because one of the columns in that chart is actually about how you feel. We feel different things throughout the month, you know, in terms of stress, anxiety, all of these different things. And maybe if you can kind of identify how you're feeling right now, you actually might be able to identify what phase of your cycle you're in. But if not, follicular, I think is a fine, great place to start. Okay. That's it for my questions. Thank you for listening. And again, if you have any questions about your menstrual cycle or you're interested in my preconception program, my proactive preconception program, send me a message on Instagram and I will send you the private link for the waitlist. Is there a waitlist? Yes. Is the waitlist linked anywhere right now? No. It's not on my website. It's not on my Instagram link in bio. It's not in any emails. It's actually nowhere. I only have it. So if you want to join that wait list, I will definitely add you to that. Basically, it's just your name and your email and you'll be notified because I very much will likely be giving those people a bonus. So if you're an early adopter and you listen and you're like, hey, I want to know about this. I want to have a healthy baby at one point. I want to have a healthy pregnancy. I want my partner to have healthier sperm. Then hit me up and I will definitely, definitely put you on that. Stay tuned for a couple of episodes coming next week. I am now doing two episodes a week, every Tuesday and Friday. Every It's likely going to be every Tuesday is a question and answer or a personal episode. And every Friday is an interview. So lots of content coming, stay tuned. And if you don't already, please follow me on Instagram and feel free to leave a podcast review on iTunes. And by iTunes, I mean Apple Podcasts (laughs) if you're interested as well. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.